I just think most knowledge is valuable knowledge. Even though you're going into accounting, for instance, what I teach about, you're still going to be have, have to deal with people. You're still going to need to relate to people. You're still going to need to have dual perspective and know about perception and things like that. And so I think being able to explain how what you're teaching is actually useful, I think is very important. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Jason, man, we got a good one today. We got two special guests with us today. Uh, so for the first time with us, we have Ashley Marshall, and we have returning guest Stephen Marshall. Uh, Stephen's been with us uh, a couple, you know, for a couple episodes in the past. Um, so for for those listening, Ashley is a university lecturer with a sales and marketing background, and she currently teaches in the communication department for the University of Louisville. In addition to teaching, she is also the education project manager for the Brand Storytelling Network. Um, And then Stephen, like I mentioned, who's been here with us before, is an award-winning media professor, marketer, brand consultant, and higher education administrator. Uh, He is a former academic chair uh, at East Tennessee State University, which I'm repping the the swag he sent me. Um, And... The last time we talked to him, he was just getting this up and running, but is now the current CMO for the ETSU Research Corporation focused on building academic academic industry partnerships. Um, So welcome to to both of you, and thanks for joining us today. Um, So one of the things I definitely want to give you a chance to talk about is the Brand Storytelling Network, Um, because Ashley, when you and I were chatting a week or two ago, you you definitely had some really neat things to talk about with that. But before that, however, um, I I want to introduce our topic for today. So the the reason why I wanted to bring both of you on and, and, you know, the the roles that you have is, is I wanted to talk about how do you get started in, in your career of choice, or maybe even making a pivot, depending upon where you're at. So uh, to get us started, could you both tell us how you got involved in, in higher education? You want me to go first, Steve? Always. (laughs) I, uh, I, so I went to the University of Central Florida and I was communication major. And then after that, I went into sales and marketing jobs. I, I liked it, but I can vividly, I can seriously remember sitting there at graduation and just feeling like there was still so much that I wanted to learn. And in the sales and marketing job that I was in, I knew that if I wanted to go back to school, there was no way that I was going to be able to do that because it was group sales at a tourist attraction. And I mean, you'd get a group in at nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, and sometimes seven or eight o'clock in the evening. And if you had a group there, you had to be there. You were representing the company. And so I eventually decided to move out of state and went and got my master's. And as I was getting my master's, they allowed me to teach. 
and I found that I enjoyed it and I had a knack for it. But after I graduated with my master's, I went back into sales and marketing. And then after the birth of my son, I decided I wanted to go back and teach. And I I love it. I was an early adapter adopter of uh, online teaching. And I just found that I that I really enjoyed it. And I was able to make a connection with people that I had le- literally never physically met. And I think that that's just really cool. And I actually prefer online teaching, actually. Steve? Yeah, I, I've always liked media. Um, going back into even high school, I was one of the, you know, yearbook people. Um, yeah, see, I knew Ashley was going to have some kind of comment about that. Um, and AV cart guy. Yeah. AV cart guy was not me, but yeah, pretty close to that. Um, and uh, I still look like the AV cart guy, but, um, so I just have always enjoyed media. I grew up playing music and so really understood at an early time, the power of what promotion can do. And, and, and I didn't know anything about aspects of branding and any of that kind of stuff. Um, but kind of just you know, you think about a band, you think about your identity, like you just kind of all those things that connect together um, in a way that really just propelled me to continue to just to to learn about media. I graduated and and um, and did a couple production gigs and um, focused in audio production, which is really still something I enjoy doing and playing music. And um, and then I started working at Nielsen and really got involved in in client work there. Got really uh inspired by what my clients were doing with data and and wanted to really be on the other side of activating data versus cre- selling it and um, went back to the university of florida to do that learn how to be what we, what we would call in the industry an account planner which is basically the voice of the customer so uh you know you're 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 the person in the room that really understands the customer and the insights and those kinds of things to help drive the engagement and marketing aspects and sales channel stuff um, around that and I uh, had great mentors at the University of Florida, which I still try to, that inspired me to be the person I am today and, and um, landed in Johnson City about 17 years ago. It's my 17th year at East Tennessee State University, love mountain biking and um, mountains aren't so great in Florida. So um, got here and um, felt like this is a community I could, uh, I love the community. We're in the mountains. Um, I, I found my, my wonderful bride here and um and so, you know, and any other opportunities that may have come up in time, she always says, well, you know where to send your checks. Um, <laughs> and so, so we have stayed here and, uh, and, and again, I, I stayed here because I, I really believe in this community and I believe in my institution and, um, and I love to be the change agent for my students that, that I can be and have a small, but very, um, honorable and responsible uh part of their journey you know and i i take that very i take that very seriously um to try to to deliver value to students students they often get confused that that they hired me like you know when or, or or they hired ashley um they they get confused because they have to apply to get into a program and then they get in the program and they're sitting in a seat that maybe somebody else wasn't sitting in. And now they, they've forgotten the fact that, yeah, it's, you're in a privileged position because you've earned it because you're sitting there. But by the way, you know, as Clay Christensen to steal something from him, you know, what's the job to be done? You hired me for something that you want 
in your life. Right. Um, and so, and I think that, that, that kind of get that juxt that juxtaposition of that gets flipped around a little bit. Um, because students forget that that's actually why they're in school, um, is to, is to prepare themselves to have great careers. And so that's, that's kind of my DNA. That is, that is awesome. So, so three things, uh, before Jim goes down his next line of questioning, I had never heard the backstories. So, uh, it was really cool to, to hear that. Uh, number two, I, I think you live in a, an amazing place, although I've never been there, but I've been able to meet through the two of you, a handful of people from, from your community and every single one of them is just pure, like really good, helpful people that want to do good which is awesome. And I don't know if that's a reflection of your network or the area you're in or, or both, but that's been really cool to, to see. Um, and finally, I didn't realize I shared a little bit of kind of overlap in history with, with Ashley and that at the end of my undergrad experience, I was offered a position to teach um, for no pay, but they would cover the complete costs of my graduate school, uh, mm -hmm. which I felt like was a deal I couldn't pass up. However, I don't know if I escaped at the end of that or if I wasn't good enough to continue teaching, but that was kind of the end of my my formal teaching. But I really enjoyed that two years of, of teaching experience while I was in school. Well, I, I will say, I think compared to how I taught, and sorry, sorry, that university, but um, Compared to how I taught when I was in grad school, I am a much better teacher now. Well, you better and be. You've been I, doing I mean, it. You've been doing it a long time. So yeah, but I, I just, I think something about it just kind of clicked mm. when I started thinking of it as educating, but also entertaining. Mm. And I think that's when it really clicked for me. Like how that person all the way in the back of the room or that person that has so many distractions around them at home, how can I get them to focus on this? And so I open up all my lectures with something funny. So, I mean, and I mean, I talk about some really deep stuff like interpersonal conflict, family communication, whatnot. But, and that's why I can't put my lectures on YouTube. I've tried, but because of copyright stuff, I, you know, I can't, of course. Um, but that's what I started seeing my lectures as something that I need to craft to get people interested in. And, you know, we had a, a mutual friend who, who since passed away, but his name was Dr. Chris Dula and he has his lectures on YouTube and they are just so dense with information, but he's also entertaining to listen to. So in the back of my head, he's kind of that guiding force for me in that he's somebody that I hope to one day be at that level. Um, it's, it's just thinking of myself as an entertainer and an educator both at the same time. It's it's such an important way to to look at it because I think really all of us that are trying to teach and in our role, I mean, there's a huge component to, to teaching as well that, you know, we, we can, we can like drone on about, you know, certain topics or read a script, but it's really about creating a memorable experience. And if I think back, I think I have experiences back to elementary school that I remember because the teachers were very thoughtful about how can I create something that's a memorable experience that has all of this learning wrapped into it. And so few teachers in my history really took that approach. So, well, I, 
I was just saying, I'll interject real quick just to say that, you know, Jim had talked about, you know, unpacking brand storytelling a little bit. I'll just tee, tee a little bit of this up for a second because the whole idea of how our bra our brains work by remembering it's their emotion driving and their stories, right? And so um, we remember when when we get thrown facts and stuff that don't have contextual kinds of things to glue them together, which is the story. Then, and and I say the story, I'm using that very loosely in in the infotainment thing that Ashley was talking about, right? So creating that engagement helps capture the context and makes those those facts and the information that we're testing on sticky um, versus the the PowerPoint your your life to death um, kind of an approach that you know unfortunately um, and when I'm speaking of professors I'm not talking about East ETSU I'm talking about the academy in general yeah um, unfortunately people just go oh yeah I'll just put the PowerPoint deck up online and I'll narrate it and that's good you know and um, it's not that's a that's a horrible that's a horrible experience in the sense of how you how you would educate somebody because it's not engaging it, it's actually painful yes um and so that's i mean that's the power of of what she's talking about and it's yeah. just that in science supports all that and and it's such an important topic for for our audiences as well i mean especially for our audience because i don't think you know we we can talk about in general teachers maybe not thinking about how we create that memorable experience and how we kind of tell a story around the educational topics that we're covering. But it's such an important topic for our line of work because I'm, I'm sure Jim has some stories. I can't begin to tell the number of times I've been in a conference room where you bring the data analysts in and they say, well, okay, we're, so let's go ahead and look at this null hypothesis of this theory that we're doing on this covariance of terms and analysis on, we're going to plot it along this binomial test. And everyone's like, what the <laughs> what are we talking about here? Right. And, and, and not that all the, like the structure and the rigor in how we do our job isn't important, but when we're sitting in front of business leaders and stakeholders, if we're not taking that, knowledge that we're trying to share and building it into a story that they're going to remember and, and align with. It's just, we might as well not be saying anything because it's just going kind of going in one ear and out the other, as they say. Yep. Well, and, and I also think it's important to tell the student how they, how, what they're, what you're talking about is relevant in terms of because every student that comes in and sits down, for instance, I teach interpersonal skills. So interpersonal communication, aspects of interpersonal communication. Online, so, online. Online. I have students that still reach out to me that I have never physically met. Years down the road, send me pictures of their child that they, you know, they just gave birth to, all kinds of stuff. And, um, but I, I think you need to explain how it relates to them in terms of why are we learning this? I mean, it, for instance, you know, when we talk about romantic relationships, I have students in my class that are like, well, I've never had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I, I don't know what this is like. And so if you can explain that, even though you're not using it now, this information may be useful to you in the future. And, and that is an argument that just absolutely 
drives me crazy. And I see this sometimes on Facebook where you have students that are like, I'm learning geometry, never going to use this. And it's like, okay, great. So, so you can see that far into your future to know that you're never, ever going to have a job where you're ever going to have to learn anything like that, or you're ever going to need to know that. And, and the answer is no. I mean, I learned things in college that I never thought I would need to use. And then 10 years later, I ended up, it came up. Well, and it, the other part of that is it, it, the, gen, the gen ed experience is, is to have a foundation to be able to have critical thought, which is, you know, one of the goals of a university experience. But, but also it is a way for you to, it's a way that your brain gets wired to learn things and making you feel uncomfortable in spaces that you, you know, we're all going to have to learn things, you know, um, when I, when I work with our accountant on taxes and I don't, I don't do that that often, um, cause they do most of that work, but when they ask me to read stuff, I may not even actually read it, mm, you know, cause like, I just don't like, Oh, it's a struggle, you know, like, Oh, I got to get power through this. Right. Cause my brain, I don't just like, I don't, I don't care, um, I don't like, I'm not interested. Yeah. It's my tax stuff, but like, I don't really, I want somebody else to tell me the rules of it, but I still have to engage in it. And it makes me think of things in a different lens. And, and that's, that's a hard thing to explain to somebody, but that's the part of why universities get accredited is because they're looking at those foundational things that we know lead to enhanced critical thought, which are gen ed stuff around literature and writing and, and science and art but but I also think, though, when you think about it, if you have a, an actual conversation with your student, first of all, if your student has the chutzpah to even approach you and say, uh, why are we studying this? I don't, I don't understand. I'm an accounting major. What, what, what do I need this for? Um, I think be I just think most knowledge is valuable knowledge, even though you're going into accounting, for instance, what I teach about, you're still going to be have, have to deal with people, you're still going to need to relate to people, you're still going to need to have dual perspective and know about perception and things like that. And so I think being able to explain how what you're teaching is actually useful. I think is very important. Yeah. And, and I and, think that that's missing sometimes when professors get up and lecture. Yeah. And I'd say both of us work really hard. I mean, we talk about it all the time to activate theory, like to not talk about theory, but how do you activate it? Right. I mean, so in like in, for instance, in, the, in our graduate program, I I'm teaching the brand, the brand side of, of most of the classes and, and I teach the capstone and I require the students to as part of the capstone to do a, a thorough lit review on a persuasive theory. And then I have students say to me, what if we don't want to do a persuasive theory? And then I said, well, then you should go study with somebody else. Um, because you're, you're in a capstone experience in brand and media strategy and you need to be able to, you need to think, be able to think theoretically about what you're doing, but you need to be able to think about it as a, uh, you know, a theory is a way of, of looking at a phenomenon and trying to understand why it's happening and then testing hypotheses based on that. Um, and if you're able to take a theory and you're able to activate the theory through tactical execution, you know, that's part of strategy, then you're going to be that much further ahead of somebody else that doesn't understand the real power of theory. And the thing that gets under my skin is when somebody says to me, 
oh yeah, we're not theoretical. We're very applied. And I, and then I go, okay, yeah. So you really don't understand what theory is or what it's supposed to do. Right. Because when you're telling me that you're telling me that, that we don't think about theory, we just apply stuff, you know? Hmm. And I, and I go, yeah. And I'm using a roadmap theory to apply stuff like, and, and there's a, and there's a really strong parallel to your, your background in that, um, the, the applied stuff is really good for doing repeatable things. So I can have sheet music and, you know, play your beautiful upright bass and I can play a song, but if I don't understand music theory, it's really difficult for me to, uh, branch out from that to create my own thing, to think creatively in the moment, I'm kind of stuck within the rigor of just what's in front of me. And I, that's how I kind of think about the two and they really play together. You have to have them both if you really want to excel great at, at your, right. your given craft. So well, I have a two. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to add something though, because this actually relates to what I was talking to my son about the other day. So we have, he's eight years old. He's in third grade. And he's not very fond of reading. He can do it, but he doesn't really like it. And he was talking to me about it the other day. And I just said, listen, in your future job, you, yes, you are going, whatever it is you want to be, you want to be, you know, a firefighter, that's fine. You want to be a nurse, that's fine. You want to be a teacher, that's fine. No matter what you do, I'm sure there's going to be something about your job that you are going to have to do that you don't necessarily feel like doing. And that's just a part of your job and you're still going to have to do it. And just like that student that says, well, I, you know, I don't want to do something persuasive. I want to do this. And it's like, no, this is the assignment. So you have to do it. You have to prove that you can do things that are asked of you, even if you don't necessarily want to do it because that's life. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. And Jim, definitely pull me back in if we're going too far off of kind of what you had in in mind, but I have so many questions. So I guess kind of a two-part question as an educator, I think there's a couple different sides of the coin that we can look at it as. So we we have things that we know are pertinent to a, a student's area of study or, you know, employees that we're working with that their area of focus is, and they may not see how it applies how do we help them see that? Is it about putting things into proper context or is there a different way? And then kind of to this larger discussion, how do we, how do we tell a story in a meaningful way to students that it's important to also be broad? Um, just looking back on my own college experience, I took so many classes that had literally nothing to do with my major. And I can't tell you how many credits over that I needed that I graduated with because I loved ge geology, so I took a lot of geology classes. I loved music and art history and theory, so I took a lot of those, and I have like 30 more humanities credits than I need. But one, I loved studying those things. But two, there are very real learnings that I took from my courses I took in geology that I apply to my day-to-day -day job as an analyst helping companies understand consumer behavior. You may not believe there's a connection, but there's so many connections there. So how do we create that? I guess, desire to learn more than just our kind of narrow craft. Steve, do you want to take this first? Yeah, I think it's, it's trying to inspire people to think about things differently. You know, so one of the ways to talk about what you're, to give you a, a, an example of what I do, when a student likes a song, they go figure out 
who the artist is, right? You like a you like an actor, you go watch more of their of their films, um, TV shows, whatever she or he has done. Um, I'm in the brand space, so so I'm in class, and I'm like, what brands do you guys like? Have you ever gone and looked to see who's doing that work? Have you ever like just like an artist, like you would go explore like the band, and you'd go, you know, geek out on the band and stuff. Have you ever gone and geeked out on who who's the shop doing that work, right? So so trying to help people stretch out in ways that they haven't thought about doing that. And, and I think the other thing that, that I, that I do is that I really focus a, a lot of my work on. Um, and I know Ashley does this too, the way that she teaches is experience. Like how much, how much can we put people and you guys have, I've been on your podcast talking about this before, but, uh, but how do we, how do we throw like the John Wayne swimming, right? Like, how do we, how do we, I love that example. Um, I can't remember what movie it's from right now, but um, it's where, you know, John Wayne takes this young, young kid and says, he says, I can't swim. And he grabs him and throws him in the lake. And, um, and then the kid just like is treading water and, and finally gets to the other side of the lake and goes, ah, I can swim. I can swim, you know? And, um, and the whole, that's a big part of what I do. I mean, I actually get students complaining to, to my, my chair um, about, the fact that, you know, oh, he just like, he doesn't, he doesn't like tell us exactly like what we need to do. And I'm like, yeah, go welcome in your freaking life, man. Like, you know, uh, that's, that's wait until you have your job and you're responsible for, for having to deliver and you're by yourself and you have to deliver. So I'm doing this with you in a very closed and controlled environment where I'm expecting you to not, to not, and you're working on real campaigns and I'm expecting you to make mistakes. I I'm anticipating you making mistakes like, cause it's so much better for me to be able to coach you up right now on those mistakes, but putting those students in that space of that create space, which is the highest learning outcome. It, it, it is the highest of all learning outcomes to create space. It is also the highest retention of learning outcomes is when you put people in the create space. And so that is using knowledge that you have accumulated, not only in the, in the, discipline that you're in, but other knowledge of your life to be able to, to make, you know, I mean, the space that, that I'm in teaching in it's art and science, right? I mean, it's the collab it's like in business, it's a, it's a, the three of those things overlapping, you know, it's, we're using science to help us understand human behavior and understand how we drive insights and how we measure those things. Um, we're using social science for a lot of stuff, but we're making art to engage mm. and to pull people in and have people care about it. And we're using, you know, emotion to drive that. And, um, that's a learn, that's a, that's an experience through learning. And the most important part of that is reflection. And so you, you have to have the chance to do the work and then reflect with the student on the work that had been done and what could have been done differently what was successful, you know, what would you do if you could do it again? Reflection, reflection, reflection is, is a key to that, that, um, approach. Um, you know, just, just to, just to relate back to what Steve said, I think you, I think asking questions is the best way. I mean, even in terms of the, those students that I say that are in accounting and I'm a communications major, um, letting them know that even when they when they get later on, they're still going to need to know how to write and be able to form an argument 
and respond to that argument. And the best, the best people in every single field are those that can teach what they know. And so it's not even, you know, e even though you're not a communication major, I'm trying to teach you how to form an argument and teach somebody about your response and, 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 and how to form that argument properly and how to relate to other people. You know, for instance, I have some students that come in that, that really do not really understand how to write a research paper. And so I'm helping them bring in sources, cite those sources. I say, you know, this isn't just important in this class. This is probably, you know, 99.9% .9 certain that this is going to be important in some of your other classes. So this isn't just a skill for this class. And it is, it's asking questions like Steve said, where it's like, well, what's interesting to you? What, you know, what are, what are the things that you like to do? Um, what do you want to do with your degree? And finding a way to relate what you're teaching back to them in some way. Do you, do you ever have students come back and say, I really hated that class and how you taught, but I'm so grateful that you did. Uh, no, because I get students that are hostile towards me at the very beginning. And then they, they are always won over before mm. the end of the semester. That's awesome. And so, I mean, I've, I've had student, I had a student write me and tell me that he does. He just wants to let me know that I don't have a money tree in his backyard. Yeah, I, I sat back from my from my laptop and I was like, you know, I'm like, how do we answer to this one? Um, I, I've had some really nasty emails that back at UCF, I mean, there's no way I would have ever written that to any of my professors. Um, uh, entitlement is just ridiculous. But, but I think you, you should tell the counter of that that story you just told, Ashley, about the, the young woman that had to go out to the well to get water. Oh, so I had a student that took my class from Jordan. So in the Middle East, Jordan. And I mean, the conditions that 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 she was dealing with. And I mean, they, there's something in my class. So there's a project in my class where you have to watch a movie. And it's like, well, she wasn't able to do that. But she could write this paper based on a book that she read. Um, and you know, I've had students where English is not their first language, and yet they get up and they do a presentation. Um, I've had students from Russia, I mean, from all over the place that that are recording at all hours of the day to turn in presentations and things like that. And then you get students over here that are upset because their group wants to meet at 830 in the evening, and, and that's not convenient for them. So, you know, it's just... It, you get all types of, of students and, and some that want to persevere through it and others that, that are like, well, I'll fit school in when I can. And, but, but the thing about me is I always said that I would stop teaching when I started to lose my understanding, trust, and empathy for my students. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to always be the type of instructor that I wish I had had. And, you know, because uh, the, our brains really are not matured until we're 25 years old. And, and you're having these, these students that are trying to make huge life decisions 
decisions that they think are going to just make or break them, which uh, I wish that I could just grab them and hug them and just say, what you're doing right now, just get your degree. Just get a flipping degree. Okay. Because, you know, you might not end up in that field, but you'll have a degree. Your name will at least get put in the pile. Um, and, and for real, what you're studying now might not be where you end up later on down the road. Um, but it'll all work out as long as you work hard. Um, so anyways, I don't know where I was going with that, but I'm just saying, I just try to be as understanding and trustworthy. I always fall on the fact that the majority of us are good people. And I'm really not going to let those one or two students that are really trying to work the system ruin that trust and empathy and understanding for, for everybody else. And, and, you know, just like this uh, in summer, I'm going to take summer off because I'm starting to get a little burnt out. Things are really starting to get on my nerves that didn't used to get on my nerves. So I'm going to try to take a, a summer off. And, but, but I just think that that's important. I'm not going to be that person that's going to sit back and be like, oh, they're trying to stick it to me. They're, you know, it's like when you have that student that writes you at, at midnight and just says, listen, I, I've been throwing up for the past two hours. I feel horrible. Is there any way that I can turn this in, you know, by five o'clock tomorrow or something? I'm like, yes, yes, that's fine. I don't need a doctor's note. Um, well, I mean, I, I focus on making people comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like that's, yeah, that's what he, that, yeah. that's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I really, and that's why I, I get people complaining about me too. Cause I don't, cause I'm not coddling them and holding their hand and telling them every step of the process. Right. Because guess what we have, we have this thing called freaking Google that if you can't <laughs> figure something out, go find out for yourself. Like, you know, don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that, that, people, I mean, part of, part of all this is learning how to learn. Mm -hmm. And, and if you don't take the chance to be independent, to do that, then, you know, and, and again, that's where the, you know, Jason, you had said, you know, um, you know, I've got, I've got a card up here. I've got stuff in my office where it's the same sentiment. You were really hard on me. I'm really grateful that for that, you know? Um, and that's, that's the kind of thing that, that I'm, I'm super proud of because of those messages. But at the same time, you know, I get the other ones too, where I get a phone call from, from my chair or from our graduate coordinator sometimes as so-and-so is upset because you're not, you know, and I'm like, well, it's too bad. You know, I mean, um, so-and-so says you have favorites. I'm like, yeah, I do have favorites. I like people that kick <laughs> ass. Work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 there's no, there's no distinct, there's no, um, limit to the amount of favorites I have, you just have to kick ass. Like everybody can be in that favorites bucket. Like, but I, but I do when I, you know, one of the things I do in, in the capstone experience is I have students keep track of their hours of how they're working on the projects outside of class. And it's pretty easy when I can write 72 hours on one end of the of the board and I can write 18 on the other. And I go, what do you all think that these numbers represent? You know, and everybody looks and goes, oh, no, 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 no. And like, these are the, these are the two extremes of the hours mm. people are putting into this class. And so if you're upset that I have favorites, I do. I like the people that are on the 72 side um, because they care, they're engaged. They want to, they want to, again, going back to what I said when we started, 
they hired me. Yeah. Like you guys hired me. Like why, why are you attending this? There's this whole like, you know, um, uh, uh, urban legend of like, Oh, if the professor doesn't show up in 10 minutes, then we can leave, <laughs> then we can leave class. It's like, Oh, okay. So wait a second. So when you go to a movie and the movie doesn't start, ten, the movie starts 10 minutes late. Do you get up and go, we can leave. We don't have to stay for the movie. We can go like, you know, it's like, you paid for it, man. <laughs> you don't have to be here if you don't want to be, you don't here, have anyway. to be here. Like, I'm not your daddy, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you paid for it. This isn't yeah. high school, you know? Yeah. Like, and so, and at the same time, I understand, and I know Ashley does too, that we have people that are just like, they just want to get their degree because they're going to go do whatever they're going to do. And, and, you know, we can think of all different outcomes that could be go work for mom and dad, go whatever they're going to go do. Um, and they just don't care about the class or whatever. And so, you know, you know, you just, you, you, you do your thing with them and it's like, I'm not a golfer, but it's the, you know, it's the analogy of like the good golf shot brings me back every year. Like the, the handful of, of students that completely like crush it, like that to me is so inspiring, you know, and it's so inspiring when I see them, you know, being in my role um, 20 years now as an educator, previous, you know, at doing my doc work at, at UF and then, and then here, um, I still am in contact with students that, you know, have, I've been a part of that journey and they write me on LinkedIn and ask me questions about it. Hey, have you read this book? You know, what do you think about this? And like, and it's like, I told my students yesterday, we're wrapping up the, the fall semester here with Thanksgiving and everything. And um, I said, guys, this is our last in-person class. But my 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 privilege is that I want to be a part of your journey now and a month from now and 10 years from now. Like, so whatever you can, whatever you need from me, you just all you got to do is reach out and, but, and ask. But that's why Steve and I, I think, balance each other's balance each other out in a lot of ways. And we take walks every day together and we talk about work and students and brand storytelling. And I think I'm, I'm more of the understanding type in some ways. Steve is the pusher and I'm more of the understanding because that's what I had needed mm. when I was in college. So, you know, right now we talk about mental health and, you know, <laughs> Back when I was in college, there was no thing about mental health days. As far as I know, you couldn't go and get, you know, a disability letter because you were extremely terrified of standing up in class and doing a presentation like that. That just didn't as far as I know, that didn't exist, because if it had existed, I would have qualified for it. Um, I mean, I'm I am somebody and I don't care. I'll tell anybody and everybody this, but who has a history with depression and anxiety since I was 16 years old. And so to go and be a communication major, in fact, was hard, but I knew that that's, that's what I wanted to study and that's what I wanted to do. And if I'm going to do it, I have to figure out a way, even if it's just powering through with big ass sweat stains, <laughs> I need to figure out how to do this and, and, and do it. And so that's why I try to be so understanding because I know what it's like to be just terrified out of your mind. I know what that's like. And I just, I never felt like I had a professor that I could genuinely disclose things to 
and talk to and that they would understand. And, and, you know, maybe that's a generational thing. Maybe that's an academe thing from back in the, you know, early 2000s. Maybe things were a little bit more standoffish. I don't know. But I know, I know that that's what I wish I had had. And so that's what I try to be and inspire my students that way. And, you know, we, Steve and I have talked about coaching up versus coaching down. And I genuinely think that for some people, I think they learn better through that positivity, through that inspiration, than just being scared out of their minds. I know that because I was scared out of my mind. And I felt like when I went into a classroom, I had to, I had to appear like I knew everything. And I had to appear like I had it put together. I mean, even in grad school. Grad school, I to to show weakness at all. Um, I it took me. I was probably thirty years old before I felt comfortable saying I don't know. And and I just think that that's that's just something really important. And if I can teach somebody to say that when they're younger, then I think that's leading them down a a better path for them versus this like this mentality where you just got to have it all put together and, and don't let see people see you sweat and it's like no find that person that you can confide in that you can get advice from um because of, because I didn't have that yeah. yeah we we've talked about that so much on this podcast before i mean the mentoring aspect i mean we all have mentors you know Everybody that I'm looking at on the screen, we all have folks that we look at as mentors that are, you know, maybe even peers in our own age, but are just better at something than we are that we aspire to be better at, you know, and I think yeah. it's continuously surrounding yourself. And I think that one of the, in my opinion, one of the weaknesses of the human species is, is the cognitive, the, the cognitive bias um, and having to be right and trying yeah. to have to figure out as wrong as you are, you still have to figure out how you're still right. Yeah. And that is just bullshit. Like that is, that's, yeah. that's a right. detriment right. to the human, to the human condition. And, you know, and I, and I think, and I, and I hope that your students are incredibly grateful for your styles, even though you have, you know, different styles. I think the way that you approach things is preparing your students to be incredibly successful as they go out and start their careers. Because Ashley, from, from your perspective, I, I agree, like letting go of that burden of having to feel like I have all the answers and I have everything right. Like none of none of us do now, like 20, 30 years into our career, let alone just starting out in our career. And so being able to let go of that burden and be vulnerable and say, I don't know where I struggle with this. Or, you know, for me, like I have a fear of standing in lines. I have a high anxiety state where standing in lines makes me panic. And so how do I go tell my boss, like, I don't want to travel because I don't want to go to the airport and stand in the line because I'm going to freak out. Like, I should be okay being vulnerable and find people that want to support me for who I am. And then my best work comes out. And, and Stephen, from your perspective, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges so many students are having in starting out their career, and I saw this back when I left graduate school is so many wanted the opposite approach of what you're giving them where it's like, just give me like the, the color by numbers. Yeah. And then they get out into the real world and they're like, wait a minute, 
I don't get the color by numbers. And now my boss is mad at me that they want me to figure this out. So you're both really giving your students a huge advantage as they're going out into, into the world to well, start and, their career. And to add to that though, I, you know, I'm understanding, but I think that there's also times, and this is what I tell my students too, just like what I told my son, there are things you're not going to like, but you have to figure out how to just plow on through it, you know? And it's like, if you want to land this specific client, you are going to have to travel there. So for that one instance, you got to muster up your courage and fake it till you make it and get out there. That doesn't mean you go and find a career, you know, where you're going to have to travel every single week, you know, but there are going to be times in your life where you're just going to have to muster up the courage and get out there and do it. You can't just be held back by what makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the difference there is, you know, having a, 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 a condition and, and, and this and versus having, not having that lived experience and, and creating a bunch of anxiety around what that experience can be until you go do it. And then you go, Oh, it's like, it's like what I see with my students and the, the approach I have, like once they get thrown in the lake and they've gotten to the other side, they're like, Oh my God. You know, <laughs> that's like, right. That's right. You know, they're like, I can do it. You know, it's, and, it's the it, empowering thing that you like to do. I mean, even with employees and stuff, you want to empower them and empowerment is really great. If you can see the value in it, if you have ever not had power, that's really awesome. If you've never experienced not having power, it's kind of like, what do I explain with my students? You know, here I teach about relationships. I've had horrible relationships. I'm not talking about my marriage, but like family communication, like that was dysfunctional beyond belief. But, you know, I tell my students, the people who have lived the bad, I think make the best teachers about the good because mm. they know how bad the bad was. And so, for instance, you know, with Steve and he's like, well, I want to empower, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, well, so-and-so has never experienced having no power. So how are they really going to see the value in that? I mean, you're, you're trying to give people power that really don't understand the gift that you're giving them. Um, and so, but anyways, okay. I so, so, so my last question or comment, and then Jim, I'll let you kind of wrap up because I, we could probably keep going for hours and hours on this topic. But I, I think that we've hit on an important one, and it kind of aligns with your your work from an experience standpoint. That's kind of how we started out this conversation. Um, you're, you're so right. And in, in therapy circles, like the concept of exposure therapy is so critically important. As, a, as someone on the scared side, whether I'm a student or whatever... I would much rather have have you tell me it's okay you don't have to do it but that's not how i get better that's not how yeah. we learn right and so um having that exposure to things really makes it much more attainable and, and it's okay to admit we're scared and i think that that's one of the the beauties kind of ashley of your approach is like we don't have to pretend that it's not scary we can say we're scared to like i can't swim mm -hmm. i'm scared for you to jump to throw me in the lake but i can do this like I have your support, I have the structure, and I know when I come out on the other side of the lake, I'm going to feel so much better at myself, but it's okay to admit I'm scared, right? Like we yeah, don't have to admit we're not talk. human. Yeah, I'm going to give you that yeah. pep talk and I'm going to give you that advice that hopefully you're going to take and it's going to help you get through it. And then at the end, I'm going to be on the other side of the lake 
And I'm going to be like, wow, you did it. Yeah. And you're not dead. See, you did it. You feared it, but you're still alive. And you feel awesome, right? And yeah, you might be this close to drowning. And, you know, but it's a learning experience. And so you, I just think it's important to be able to admit those those fears and admit those, I don't want to say shortcomings, because everybody has them. Yeah. Nobody is 100% confident all the time. And if they say that they are, then they're lying through their teeth. Yeah. So I think it's important to be able to admit those things. And, but I also think it's important to be the type of teacher that is a cheerleader when they do admit those type of things and to be there to support those students. Yeah, I agree. Jim. Yeah. I, I mean, th this is definitely another one of those, those episodes where I kind of came in maybe expecting one thing and we went off in, in a better direction than I could have thought of. Um, because I think, uh, Stephen, I'm going to steal your, your analogy of color by numbers and, you know, here, do this, do this, do this. And when I was thinking through this episode, uh, because this is part of a series of, you know, different things like learning, upskilling, you know, getting started in your career, you know, like part of one of my questions I had was, what are resources available to students? And, you know, immediately your mind goes to, well, take this course, read this book, um, look at this presentation. But listening to both of you, um, what's really resonated the most is all you've talked about is, is the intangible things. Seek out a professor or teacher or mentor that's going to stretch you that's going to push you, that's not going to coddle you, that is going to be understanding when the time is is needed, but is not going to take every excuse for, for not showing up. And I think that that's the most valuable takeaway from this conversation is, is don't just think, oh, if I read this book, I'm good, or I, I, I watched this presentation, or I ticked these three courses off my list. It's seek out those people that are going to, to push you. You know, whether that's to get in front of the class or or um, or just jump in the water and, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be there to rescue you. But you got to try it. You got to try. And, you got to you got to try it. And I think the one I mean, you know, I've never gotten to sit in a room with either of you guys. You know, um, I, I sit in a room with Ashley, but but, um, you know, with you guys. And and I think LinkedIn is I'll just get throw out one other thing. Yeah. I mean go reach out to people, go, go find people that look like they're doing what you want to do and mm -hmm. then DM them. And they may, they may not answer you. So then DM somebody else. Right. And, and if they don't answer you, don't take it personally. I mean, cause I have people and, and Jason, you're funny. Cause I, I read your posts on LinkedIn all the time. I mean, I've got people that are like, I'm just going to bump this message up, you know, or either you didn't get my last message or passive aggressiveness. it's like, dude, I'm not interested. And now I'm not interested because you're doing this weird passive aggressive thing, you know, in my DMs. So it's just like, no, but I'm just saying if they don't answer, there's probably a reason either they don't, they don't feel like it. They never check their messages or whatnot, but don't just reach out to somebody else. Keep yeah. looking because someone answer. will answer. Somebody yeah. will answer. Someone, someone will answer. answer. Yeah. Well, this has been 
this has been awesome. I we're we're probably gonna if if your schedules allowed and Jim's open to it, we're we're probably gonna have to have a part two because I've I've left with way more questions that I want to ask the two of you than I've been able to get out. But want to be want to be sensitive to the time. My wife's a blabber. blabber <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's yeah, all of no, no, no it's worries. all of, it's all of high value stuff. So I I tend to overtake things. And, and I, I definitely want to spend more time about brand storytelling. So l- l- let's connect on having an episode just about that. Cause I definitely want to give it its due diligence and, you know, actually everything you've told me about that so far. So yeah, I'll definitely reach out and schedule more time uh, soon. So we can talk more about uh, the brand piece. And one of the notes I definitely talked, you know, noted down here is, is, you know, Stephen, you mentioned earlier, story is the glue for for new facts. So let, let, let's have a whole episode to, to talk about that. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of science behind that. That's, a, yep. So as we wrap up, um, let, let our listeners know where they can reach you if, if they wanted to, to chat more, if, if something caught their ear. Okay. Well, I guess you could reach out to me through my email. And it's just like it's spelled here, but mine is ashley.marshall. So Ashley period Marshall at Louisville or Louisville, if you live there, dot edu. And you can find me on LinkedIn, Stephen. Oh yeah, I'm on LinkedIn Marshall, but you can Google me and don't, 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 don't try to connect with the murderer. Connect with the, yeah, there, yeah, there was like there's a, a terrorist or somebody the mur- named the Stephen murderer, Marshall. Um, with Sounds a Wikipedia like a page. Episode. He was on the no-fly yeah, list. Yeah, I was on the no-fly <laughs> list in 9-11. I was. Um, wow. Yeah, I was. That wasn't really me, but they thought it was. And so, so yeah, there's all kinds of stories. I might have been arrested before. Are we, are we going down that road or what are we doing here? Okay. Oh, okay, I guess we have a few things for our next episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to put the right link in the uh, the show notes for folks. So they, they can make sure they, they connect with you and, and and not the murderer. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I was never convicted. But, you know. <laughs> Great. Yeah, uh, well, well, thank right, you both for awesome. your time. It was a yeah. great conversation. Hey. Thank you guys. Much love to you. Appreciate it. Love and just keep doing the work you're doing, man. So it's fantastic. Thank you. See ya. Great. Thank you. Talk to you both later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.